scriptures. And Welcome to the we, Ocean Hills podcast. We were, Our we hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God uh, and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, ways. check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jono. Good morning, everybody. Good to be together. What a gift, Isaac. Thank you so much for being with us. Isaac's a new friend of mine. I just met him through a mutual friend, and we wanted to give the uh, worship team a Sunday off. And uh, a couple months ago, we uh, we connected, and uh, he was willing to come up and, and hang out and help us experience the presence of God. And he'll be back out here as uh, we come to the table later on in our service. But I want to uh, begin by just simply quoting the great theologian Sean Penn. Do you guys know Sean Penn? I heard Sean Penn um, say something that really resonated with my heart, and it was this. As I go through my life, I don't want to go through it numb or medicated or unfeeling. And, 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 he, and he said it in the positive. He said, I actually, I want to feel my life. So if I'm nervous, I don't want to pretend I'm not nervous. I, I want to embrace the nervousness of my life. If, if I'm sad, I actually want to be able to shed tears. If I'm full of joy and something's funny, I don't want to be proper and I want to be able to laugh. I want to be able to belly laugh. I want to feel my life. I wonder if you want to feel your life. I wonder if you walk in here today and the way you're living your life, are you feeling it at the deepest level? Are you allowing your heart to be touched? to be moved, to be convicted when you do something wrong, when you cross a line that you shouldn't? Do you allow the Spirit of God to do the work of God in you so that when you slight someone, speak over someone, interrupt a conversation and start talking about yourself, are you even aware of it? And when you become aware of it, does it do something in your heart? Well, we're going to find out right now. Let's all stand up. What? What? We're going to find out. We're going to have audience participation. Have you ever heard of the seven deadly sins? We got, we got them up here on the screen. The seven deadly sins, this goes back, uh, really the beginnings of this list was formed back in the fourth century. I want to give you a moment to just kind of read through this list. And I wonder if your life in the last 2020, here we are in November now, of 20, in 2023, I wonder how many of these sins apply to your life. And maybe we'll start with, with saying, if all seven of them, you'd say in the last year, I'm, I'm probably guilty of all seven of them, sit down right now, just sit down. If you look at, uh, that's, a lot, that's a lot of you, 
No judgment here. I'd probably be sitting down too. How about six? If you're like, there's six of them are me. I know in the last year, six. How about five? If you're going, all right, there's five. I'm guilty of five. Four? I love it, man. We still got people standing up. Three? I can't, I can't wait to talk to that woman in the back who's still standing back there. <laughs> Two? All right, I, 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 is, is there anybody still standing? Is somebody still standing? And one, and one. Go ahead and sit down. The condition of our heart today, you know, if we don't need to sit down, we don't need to be forgiven. If we didn't sit down, why, why do I need God in my life? Why do, why do I need to be forgiven? Today, we're launching a new series on 22 days of gratitude. And today is, I'm thankful, I'm grateful for God's forgiveness. And my prayer is, is that all of us in here leave here with a deeper sense of needing the forgiveness of God in our life. I'm going to read a story for us from Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 36 to 47. I'm reading this out of the message Eugene Peterson's paraphrased this morning. It's up here on the screen. One of the Pharisees asked him, that's Jesus, over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down at the dinner table. And just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping, raining tears on his feet. And letting down her hair, she dried his feet and kissed them and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was the prophet I thought that he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who's falling all over him. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Oh, tell me, Simon said, with humility, not. <laughs> Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker canceled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. And then turning to the woman but speaking to Simon, 
He said, do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You, you gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. You provided nothing for freshening up, but she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? And then here's the line, don't miss it. She was forgiven many, many sins. And so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. These aren't my words. You got to take this up with Jesus. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. So what robs us of being grateful? What are the thieves of thanksgiving? I'm going to just list three, just reading, reflecting, thinking about my own heart, my own soul, my own spiritual walk, talking to some friends this week. The first one I would say is, is pride or, or being prideful or being self-righteous. Think about it. Simon invited Jesus over to his house. He's probably thinking, why do I need to thank Jesus? He should be thanking me. I'm the one who had him to my, to my house. I'm the one feeding him. I'm the one opening up and sharing my food and hospitality. I'm supposed to thank him? No, he should be thanking me. Some of us are living our lives with that secret thought. God ought to be thanking me. I've given my life for ministry. I wrote a big check. I serve on this team, this committee, this whatever. God ought to be thanking me. And we're kind of embarrassed to admit that we might even have that attitude, that that, that that spirit maybe has crept into some of us and it robs us. It robs us of being a grateful person. It robs us of thinking or even of believing that we need forgiveness. And so our gratitude is minimal because we think we don't have much to be forgiven. Second one is comparison. Comparison robs us of thanksgiving. This Pharisee, religious leader, Simon. I mean, as I read the text, it sounds like he's feeling actually pretty good about himself. I mean, if God's grading on the curve compared to uh, a few of you, I'm doing pretty good. Simon might even say, uh, compared to the town harlot, I'm doing pretty good. And that spirit creeps in. We kind of live our spiritual lives in such a way that we think God's grading on a curve and we compare ourselves. And, and it either fills us with pride or we're beating ourselves up and we're too ashamed to come to God. 
But in this case and in this story, it's the comparison with the town harlot that has robbed Simon of being a person filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. Now, there's a third, third area, not just pride and comparison, but I'd say blindness, spiritual blindness. Some of us, we don't even know it, but we're blind. Simon was blind. He, he couldn't see his shortcomings until Jesus pointed them out. Did you, did you notice? Jesus said, when I came into your home, you, and then she. You didn't, but she. You didn't, but she. He couldn't see it. He was completely unaware, completely blind of the impact that he had on the people around him. Have you heard of that, that, that phrase? I think it's Henry Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud. It's where I heard it, where he said, or he says that we should really reflect on this thought. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Now, you ask that question for yourself. What's it like? So for John Ireland, what's it like to be on the other side of John Ireland as married to John, a daughter of John, to work with John on his staff, his team? What's it like? And for you to ask that question yourself, what's it like to be on the other side of you? Hey, Simon, what's it like to be on the other side of you? There's a blindness, an unawareness of the impact that your life, my life, Simon's life is having on the people and the world around us. I have a friend who said to me, he goes, hey, I don't want to make a big deal about this, but he said, you know, when you come up and greet me. He said, you ignore my wife. She feels invisible around you. He goes, you're really nice to me. He goes, I thought you might just want to be aware of that. Now, how would you respond to that? Someone said that to you. Dude, your wife's oversensitive, man. Tell her to get over it. No, that's not the right answer. I was completely unaware of it. And certainly not intentionally trying to slight someone. I mean, right? Some of us are blind. I'm first in line. Blind to the impact that we have on the people around us, how we're hurting others the impact that we're having, that, that we interrupt a conversation and we start talking about ourselves or we make a comment and, and it's like, uh, I, I've been on the receiving end of a compliment that hurts. <laughs> and you have too. And so it's our blindness that leads us to believe, I don't really need grace Really? Simon certainly was not aware of his need for grace. How 
How could he be thankful for the grace of God? How could he be thankful for forgiveness if he doesn't and didn't have the spiritual eyes to see, now don't miss this, that it was his sin that would put Jesus on the cross. Simon, your sin is what's going to put Jesus on the cross. See, there's a lot of theological debate. Who put Jesus on the cross? Was it the Romans? Was it the Jews? And the answer is, you did. And you did. And you did. And I did. I love this John Stott quote. John Stott says, before we can see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Before we can see the cross as something done for us, oh, forgiven, oh, God's grace, God's mercies, new every morning, But before we get there, we have to understand, according to John Stott, we have to see the cross as something done by us. It was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. I'm guilty. I'm dirty. I need to be cleansed. I need to be declared not guilty. I need to be forgiven because my sin separates me from God. It breaks relationship. It alienates me from God. That's what the scriptures teach. But not Simon. Simon was, I don't, compared to her, he had so much pride comparing himself to others, religious leader, and spiritually blind. So I, I, I was thinking this week, What does a guy like Simon do with Psalm 51, verse 17? He would have been familiar with it, Old Testament. He's a religious leader. He knew the law. He knew the scriptures. What does a guy like Simon, who who was into sacrifices and offerings to, in a sense, pay for your sins, to purchase forgiveness... And then you read Psalm 51, 17. It's the Psalm of David. Those of you that aren't familiar with this Psalm, your homework actually this week is going to be, uh, homework, wrong word. Wrong word, sorry about that. Wrong word. Your spiritual practice this week is to read this Psalm every day. Verse 17. The sacrifice, David, just again, reminder, David wrote this psalm after he committed adultery, lied about it to cover it up, and then murdered Bathsheba's husband. So guilty of a few not so little things. He would have been sitting down on that list probably the first you know, first one, seven, I'm probably guilty of all of them. That was David, a man after God's own heart, by the way. And he wrote this. 
The sacrifice, it's a prayer. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Broken, brokenness. That's what God longs for from you, from me. A spirit, a heart of brokenness. Not justifying, rationalizing, excusing the sin, the evil, the wrongdoing in my heart. Not blaming. Owning it. Being honest about it. Being humble enough to say, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm guilty. For some of us, it's really hard. I'm not going to try and get into, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know if it's childhood stuff. I don't know if it's wounds, scars, whatever. But some of us cannot admit that we're not perfect, that actually we make mistakes, we hurt other people, we sin. But the Bible says clearly that sin is the problem that is rupturing and sabotaging our spiritual vitality and our relationship with the living God. The sacrifice you desire, oh God, is a broken spirit, crushed. I'm crushed when I hurt someone and I become aware of it. It crushes me. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> You're oversensitive. It's your issue, not mine. I'm crushed that I hurt you. I don't want to be that. I don't want you to be, have that experience of me. And so I'm, I'm broken. That's what it means. I'm broken. And forgiveness only comes to the humble and the honest. So we have to take off the mask, stop the pretense, and actually say, God, I confess. I confess that I fall short. I confess that I said something that was snarky, that was mean. It was unkind that I ignored somebody, that I, you fill in the blank. And maybe before you confess, it's God, make me aware. Make me aware. I'm blind. I confess that I'm blind. Help me to see the negative impact that I'm having in the people around me. I want to share a line with you that might cause pause, but I believe it in the core of my being. And here it is. Brokenness is a blessing. Brokenness is a blessing. Now I want you just to reflect on that, simmer in it, soak in it. Why? Why would I say that? Brokenness, your brokenness is actually a blessing. Brokenness is a blessing. I believe it's the prerequisite to receiving God's forgiveness. When we're broken, we're honest. When we're broken, our hearts aren't cold or hard or closed. When we're broken, there's an openness, there's a tenderness 
There's a teachable receptivity, humility that says, I want to be better. I want to be more like Jesus, and I fall short of that. But I'm not going to live in my past. I'm going to to lean into my future. Brokenness is a blessing because it, it fills me with gratitude for a God who's willing to forgive me. Some of you know that I love the author, Dane Ortland. He wrote the book, Gentle and Lowly. If you haven't read it, uh, I would say it's a top, my, maybe my favorite book in the last five years. Great book. I have a friend who didn't like it. They said, too, too much grace. Now, that's a whole nother sermon. <laughs> and listen to... Dane Ortland. He, he also has a devotion that I'm reading on the Psalms. And here's his reflection out of that devotion on the Psalms. He's, he writes, Paul reminds us, the Apostle Paul in Romans, reminds us that where sin piles up, grace piles up even higher. Now listen to this. God's answer for those who squander his grace through foolishness and folly and rebellion and willfulness. God's answer for those who squander his grace is, and now just think about this. How would you answer that? Here's what he says. More grace. More grace. That's why the grace of God is scandalous. It's controversial. That's why you got people going, no, no, no. Too much grace. God's answer for those who squander his grace through folly, foolishness, willfulness, rebellion is more grace. Did you know there's a a little verse in, in Romans? It says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Now, it doesn't say God's wrath, God's anger, God's disappointment with you. That's what's going to lead you to turn towards him. That's not what it says. It's his grace, his kindness that leads you and me to turn towards him and say, God, I want more of you in my life. I want more grace and more forgiveness because I keep falling short. I'm going to stop here. Maybe just uh, for the slides, there's a, there's a verse, 1 John chapter 1. It's a verse that you need to know, two verses actually. Verses 8 and 9, let's throw those up on the screen if we can. Just quietly read these two verses, just in the quietness of your own heart. Kind of brings us back to the seven deadly sins. Now let's read it together as I conclude this message. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. True confession is a cleansing of the soul. And today's big idea is I want you and I want me to be filled with gratitude to God for forgiveness. It's a gift. As we enter into the Thanksgiving season, we're going to spend the next three weeks focusing on different aspects of gratitude. But today it's gratitude for God's forgiveness, and that brings us to the table. It brings us to this place where if we confess our sins, if we're willing to be honest, if we're willing to come clean, if we're willing to not pretend that we're actually better than we think and we want everybody around us to think, if we're willing to say, actually, I need God's grace, I need God's forgiveness, that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he came and he died. And on the night in which he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. It was the last supper. He broke the bread to his closest friends. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup afterwards. He said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. He goes, I want you to take it and drink it for the forgiveness of sins. For as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And so we're going to sing together. We're going to stand together. Why don't we stand right now? I want to remind you as you come going to have you come, but then as you exit, you're going to come. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. Both sides of the table are open, so we don't want to get the lines clogged up. You can, you can be on either side of the table. You can kneel. You can stand. There's gluten-free. It's grape juice. Um, let me just remind us of this. Who was at the table that Jesus served communion to? It was, was it 12 perfect people? I know... Thomas was there who was filled with doubts. There are some of you here still filled with doubts. This table's for you. It's a table of grace. You don't have to have God all figured out to come to this table. You're on the journey of going, I, I want to know more. I want to know him more personally. You come and you kneel. Get honest and come clean. Who else was at that table? I think Peter was at that table. Maybe some say he was like Jesus' closest friend, but he was the guy who just a few days earlier said, I don't even know the guy, totally disowned him. And Jesus knew that, that Peter would do that and he still served him, communion. He still served him, the bread and the cup. You know who else was at that table? Judas, the betrayer. So, of course, Jesus, like you and me, would go, sorry, Judas, you don't get to come. That's actually not what he did. Grace. Where sin piles up, grace piles up even more. The kindness of Jesus said, hey, Judas, my body and my blood for you.
for the forgiveness of sins. So I don't know where you're at on your faith journey this morning, but if, if you're willing to point your life in the direction of following Jesus, you're invited to come. You don't have to have it completely figured out, but if you want more grace and forgiveness in your life, then you come and you kneel. You come and you have a moment of honesty before God, just quietly, and then you'll rip off the bread and you dip it in the cup and you eat and then exit out the back. We also will have, our prayer team will be in the corner. We'll have some prayer team members. If you want prayer today, you want a blessing over your life, over your marriage, over your future, whatever it might be, we wanna pray for you. And so when you're ready, you're invited to come and let's celebrate the Lord's great sacrifice for us, the greatest gift for the forgiveness of sins. If your heart's filled with gratitude today, please come.